Ladies and gentlemen, you found the program that pulls no punches, that knocks out political correctness, and delivers a right cross to defend the Constitution. We call it Fighting Words. And now, entering the ring, retired infantry colonel, trial lawyer, and fighter for truth and justice, Kurt Schlichter. Hey everybody, this is Kurt Schlichter, and this is the Fighting Words Podcast. And that sound you hear... Is my chair in my office squeaking? They say that the uh, squeaky hinge gets the oil. Somebody needs to come and oil my chair. But enough about me and my furniture. Let's talk about some of the subjects that have been raised on the Hugh Hewitt radio program lately. Because this is sort of affiliated with Hugh Hewitt, but I kind of go in my own direction. And it uh, it's also FCC compliant, unlike my... Uh, uh, Town Hall VIP podcast unredacted, which it, it, it's got more sailors than are fighting the Bonhomme Richard fire. So there you go. Bad analogy. But anyway, we'll talk about that a little too, uh, because that's a big, 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 big deal for a number of reasons. And I know, of course, as listeners to the Hugh Hewitt radio program, you are naval focused strategic thinkers. I'm an army guy. I'm also an author of the book, 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You from Regnery. You should go get the 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You, and uh, I think you'll like it. You should also listen next week. Psst, here's a secret. I'm going to be guest hosting for the great Hugh Hewitt all week, starting July 20th and going on until either the week is over or they send people to drag me out, which is not entirely outside of the range of possibilities. Let's talk about what's happening in the news and the big thing today, which is Wednesday, July 15th, 2020. Tax day, by the way. The big news is the resignation of Barry Weiss from the New York Times. Now, Barry Weiss is a young columnist. Uh, she's center-left. She's not a conservative. She gets labeled conservative because she's not an outright woke communist. And she worked at the uh, New York Times for a while. She was specifically brought in after 2016 because the Times kind of, you know, missed the biggest story of 2016, which was Donald Trump beating Felonia Milhouse von Pantsuit, I mean Hillary Clinton, uh, in the election. And the Times did not see it coming. And the Times, quite correctly, thought, gosh, maybe we need to expand our tentacles outside this bubble so we are sensing things that are happening because we missed a huge, huge story. So they hired Barry Weiss. Now, again, not a conservative. In fact, there are no actual conservatives on the New York Times. Now, you will say, well, what about Brett Stevens? What about Ross Dahad? What, uh, who, who's Dohad? I'm always getting it wrong. Uh, and what about David Brooks? To which I say, no, con- conservatives not those guys. Those guys are really centrists. They used to be conservatives, but the Overton window has been opened wide and there's no screen on it anymore. They are they are they are pretty much centrist. They're definitely not conservatives. They're zero conservatives in the New York Times, which is a problem as Barry Weiss pointed out in her long and eloquent uh, resignation letter. And I think it's important to point out that Barry Weiss again, a center leftist, but not 
you know, until recently, not a real critic of cancel culture. She thought it was perfectly fine to cancel folks. Cancel being the informal process of uh, policing ideas and statements, uh, often leading to people being fired or otherwise socially ostracized. Now, she was she, she kind of was a bit of an apologist for it until it happened to her, and we're seeing that a lot lately. Let's understand the battle. Now, I'm a graduate of the United States Army War College, a, a retired colonel. I like to see who's fighting who. The woke leftists are not fighting conservatives. Let me say that again. They are not fighting conservatives. Oh, well, we, we're hostile. They, they, they pro-bat us, but the real, the, the real focus of their battle is not the conservatives. Why is that? Because conservatives aren't really vulnerable. Now, you'll find the occasional Republican who works uh, at Boeing or something, and, and, and they establish that you know he gave money to Trump, or he likes America, or some other horrible sin, and get him fired. Okay, yeah, they'll do that. But by and large, they can't really do anything to us conservatives. What, what, call, my, you know, call my law office and get me fired? I, I, my name's the first on the door. Most of us are kind of invulnerable to them. Instead, what they do is they infest these institutions and these woke kids attack the center leftists who run the institutions. Remember, most institutions in American society are run by center leftists who are kind of sympathetic to the woke folks and despise, despise us conservatives. Now, Barry Weiss doesn't particularly like us conservatives. Andrew Sullivan, who was likewise canceled yesterday, he left, uh, uh, I believe, New York Magazine, kind of by mutual agreement, by which it means he was fired. Um, they're the target. The center leftists are the target. The guys who, you know, were, you know, pretty much Joe Biden-y Democrats. They're the ones being taken out. This is really a battle between the Bolsheviks and the Mensheviks. This is a battle on the left for power. Who is going to control the left? And uh, got to say, you center left folks better wake up. The problem is our center left is exhausted. The center left elite, the people who run our institutions, they are, how do I put it? It's much like, well, let me ask you something. You know who Henry Ford was. You know who John Rockefeller was. Do you know any of the current generation of Rockefellers or Fords? See, they kind of, they, they, today's liberal elite kind of inherited America. They inherited America from the people who won World War II. They inherited it from the people who put a man on the moon and dismantled actual systemic racism in the 60s. And... They have done nothing. These are the ne'er-do-wells. They didn't struggle for it. They didn't fight for it. They didn't build it. Uh, they're just living off, essentially, their cultural trust fund. And they've got the right credentials to, you know, have high positions in academia and the media and Hollywood and such. But they didn't earn it. They just kind of got it. And that's important. These are not achievers. And they are not strong. So when they're attacked in the newsroom, for instance, when Tom Cotton, a sitting U.S. senator, writes an editorial about using military force to suppress riots, which polls say 60% of Americans support. And by the way, for tactical reasons, I didn't support it in this case, though I was in the Los Angeles riots and I support it there. But the, the, the whole concept that, well, if things are out of control, use the military to go retain order, that's not a crazy thought. That's 
absolutely consistent with 5,000 years of uh, uh, human existence. And it is well within the mainstream, and it was considered verboten by the New York Times. A bunch of woke kids from the newsroom came and complained, saying, oh my gosh, we're literally shaking. You ran this editorial that, again, represents the views of at least 60% of Americans. And we feel that that makes us unsafe. We are unsafe because of it. And instead of the Times doing what I would do, which would be get out of my office, if not my building, pack your stuff and go, you're fired. Instead, they go, oh, no, oh, no, we better, we better comply. We better comply. We better do it. Again, exhausted, too weak, too tired to fight. And the fact that they have some, some lingering sympathy for these leftists, that, that just compounds it. So what we have are institutions like, uh, like the New York Times and the rest of the media that just won't fight for themselves. And the woke people, that's why the woke people are winning. Now, there's some signs of hope. 150 people signed the most anodyne, uh, undistinguished letter, basically supporting kind of uh, free speech as a very general concept, making sure to point out that Donald Trump's the real threat to free speech. And they did that last week. And of course, they got called fascists. And some of them actually backed down and said, gosh, I'm so sorry, I signed a letter supporting free speech. Um, so uh, Barry Weiss is a backlash because if you look at the response that she's had, it's actually pretty incredible. She got a lot of support. I mean, Hugh read her whole eh, pretty eloquent statement on air. And uh, throughout the, especially conservative media, people wow, you know, this is, this is outrageous. The New York Times, of course, uh, is too cowardly to react. It's too cowardly to do what it needs to do, which is reassert control and reassert the norms. It won't do it because, again, it's weak, exhausted, and it has a little bit of sympathy. And that's going to be a problem because there is going to be a backlash, and that backlash is growing. They tried to cancel the Goya Foods guy because he dared support the president of the United States. They tried to destroy his business because, think about that. Think about how inconceivable it was 20 years ago. Somebody, you know, supports the president. Who's the president 20 years ago? 20 years ago right now is uh, Carter or Clinton. Okay. Supports Clinton. Would it have ever occurred to you to destroy a guy's business simply because he liked Clinton? You could disagree with him. You could say, gosh, I mean, I I don't know why you like that, that weird kind of perverted guy. But okay, you know, you're allowed to. Don't eat but now they have to. He has to be destroyed. People don't like that. That's why Goya foods are flying off the shelves. And I think people are starting to see it in their own lives. You know, when they're told, "Here's a list of microaggressions," and it applies specifically to white people. And you know, somebody who's white goes, "Wait a minute! Now I'm being identified by my race and criticized because my isn't that wrong?" No, no, no. Racism only counts if it's for Things that help the left. Well, that's not going to work. People are, there's going to be a backlash. But the real backlash isn't just from conservatives. Okay, conservatives, real conservatives have always been fighting back against this. It's got to be from the middle. It's got to be from people who are apolitical saying, wait a minute, this is baloney. People who are center left saying, no, no, no. We are going to keep a liberal society, uh, liberal in the sense, uh, free markets and free minds, liberal, not you know, 
progressive light. It's got to come from those guys. They've got to find their spine. Because they're, and they should, because they're in the gun site. Look at, I mean, Andrew Sullivan had to leave his magazine. And the editor of the magazine wrote, well, you know, this is by mutual agreement. We think there's a place for conservative uh, thought and people should hear those ideas, but it needs to be done in a constructive way. Now, you can say a lot of things about Andrew Sullivan. You cannot say he's not constructive. He is not a hard, he calls himself a conservative, but he's no conservative ideologue. He's certainly not a Trump guy. He hates Trump. And you, you know, who 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 do you want? You know, a Brett Stevens, a Ross Dahat. I can't, I can't pronounce that name. Uh, a, uh, a David Brooks. All those guys are perfectly willing to attack conservative stuff calling themselves conservatives. What they want is essentially the Lincoln Project, a bunch of quote-unquote conservatives who agree with everything liberals said. What they do not want is a powerful, unapologetic, and eloquent voice of actual conservative conservatism as conservatism exists. They don't want the hassle, frankly, and they don't want to give it a platform. But mostly they don't want the hassle. They don't want a bunch of uh, leftists coming into their office and complaining that they're literally shaking because, you know, Kurt Schlichter wrote an editorial. And before I uh, put out my book, The 21 Biggest Lies About Donald Trump and You, I actually wrote an editorial. It was my special Tuesday town hall column of last week. So that would be, I think, the 7th of July. And you should go check it out. It's called It's All a Lie. And what it does, it's directed to the readers of the New York Times, submit to the New York Times, they rejected it. Submit it to the Washington Post, they rejected it too. Uh, Gotta give Washington Post credit, by the way. They run Hugh Hewitt, who is a conservative, and uh, he gets a ton of uh, heat, and uh, good for them for running it. But they did not run mine, and uh, mine was uh, unapologetic, and it was not constructive. It was not constructive. It was destructive. It was... I despise your progressive project and I want to destroy it. And I want to thank you guys for doing it. I want to thank you guys for hiding yourself in a bubble where you can't understand your opponent. And of course, being a military guy, when you don't know your opponent, you lose. It's Sun Tzu 101. Know your enemy better than you know yourself and you will defeat him. Words to that effect. Look, my my Mandarin's a little shaky right now. So, you know, you've got to take what I give you. But the, um, hold on, boom. I'm sorry, I I just keep getting texts as I'm here because I'm so popular. That's the great thing about the Fighting Words show with Kurt Schlichter. Stuff happens in real time. My dogs start barking, they start barking. I don't edit it out. You get everything. You get Kurt raw and uncooked, which is the best way because then that preserves all the vitamin K, which is vitamin Kurt K. Anyway, anyway, where were we? We were talking about freedom. We are talking about liberty, the right to speak the way you wish, and understanding that when that doesn't exist, you do create a bubble. And when you create a bubble, you can't accurately assess your opponent. And that's their problem. They can't accurately assess us. That's one of the reasons I think we're going to win in November. That's one of the reasons I think Trump is going to be reelected, because there's no feedback loop for the people uh, holding the strings, the Geppettos holding the strings of that uh, uh, gropey, weird old Pinocchio Joe Biden, where they can be agile and respond to trends on the other side because they simply 
refuse to allow that the other side actually exists. They're not fighting us. They're fighting a vision of us that doesn't exist. We as conservatives actually have an advantage. We know what the liberals are and what they think because it's all out there. It's in every institution. We understand them. They don't understand us. So we need to win this fight and burst the liberal bubble. But let's wait till November 4th to do it. Uh, Real quick, I want to talk about the Navy, and I'm very, very concerned. You know, I come from a Navy family. My my grandfathers are both naval. My father was a, a naval officer. Um, I went army because, you know, I'm the green sheep of the family. Uh, I'm very concerned about the Bonhomme Richard, uh, Richard, and the fire in San Diego. You know that two destroyers uh, were essentially put out of action because uh, poorly trained and poorly equipped uh, crews allowed them to collide with uh, cargo ships in the Pacific. Now, for some reason, this ship caught fire in port. Uh, I'm not sure that, uh, frankly, I'm not sure that we ought to take sabotage off the table. And I know that sounds like a a tinfoil hat thing, but hear me out. Losing this uh, kind of pocket carrier is kind of a big issue. It's kind of a big deal. Right? That's, you know, with losing three ships is over 1% of America's combat power. Well, not actually not combat power because... The 280 or so ships uh, count smaller ones. It is a considerable loss of American combat power, maybe three, four, five percent, and in the all in the Pacific, that is to China's advantage. Now, either it's a terrible accident or sabotage, um, and I know nobody else has said sabotage. I don't think it was, but I don't think we ought to take that off the table. What a great way to demoralize the Navy. What a great way to reduce our combat power. Have somebody go on there and light a fire. Is that crazy talk? What do you think? Do you think it is? Do you think Would you put by the, back the Chinese to take a chance to knock out an entire ship? The ship is gone. I, I don't believe that ship's going to be rebuilt. I believe the fire probably weakened the hull. It's, it's going to need to be replaced. And that is going to be a gaping hole in America's... Uh, combat lay down for a long time. But it's it's emblematic of the uh, traumas the United States Navy's had. And frankly, I'm worried. Uh, I'm worried about the naval leadership. I think uh, especially their uh, disgraceful, well, all, the entire military's disgraceful reaction to this uh, current moral panic about racism, uh, weighing into these social issues, creating division, and dissension uh, by addressing it in terms that the woke kids like, you know, talking about you know the microaggressions and white fragility and all that. Our, our leadership has no business doing that. Our leadership, our military leadership has one business. That is preparing to uh, uh, deter and then, if necessary, fight and win our wars. Right now, we're not doing that. Right now, I am very, very worried. I am very worried that... Uh, uh, this is another example of uh, failures of leadership, failures of training. And I, I don't think I can emphasize the seriousness of losing a capital ship like this. Thank goodness we didn't lose any crewmen. We had a few people injured, but thank, thank goodness our, our, our great sailors uh, who bravely fought the fire were not killed. But that's cold comfort. That ship is gone. It's off the 
Uh, it is out of the game, and we are weaker for it. And I am just afraid that like every, every other war, because America always does it, we, 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 we take advantage of peacetime, we, we can't imagine the war that's coming, whether it's Pearl Harbor, Task Force Smith, you know, the first battles of the Civil War, we think, we, we think, every, we, we think we're ready and we're not, and the guys who pay the price are the enlisted folks in uniform, the people on the front line. And I think that's going to happen here. And we have to change that. And that's why it's super critical we reelect Donald Trump and that we allow guys like Robert O'Brien to keep pushing, pushing, pushing to rebuild our military to the strength it needs to have to complete its mission. Anyway, that's enough of fighting words today. This is the Hugh Hewitt-related podcast from Kurt Schlichter. I hope you like it. I hope you'll go buy my book, The 25 biggest, uh, 21 Biggest Lies of Don- About Donald Trump and You. And it's funny, it's fast, and it is not FCC compliant, much like me usually. I will talk to you soon. Thanks. Bye.